0: A court order forces the Philadelphia District Attorney to make public a list of officers so troubled prosecutors will not call them to testify about their cases. Does this undermine public trust in the system? Let's get the inside story. Good morning, I'm Tamala Edwards. Welcome to Insight Story. Let's introduce you to the panel. We'll start with nonprofit exec George Burrell. Good morning, Tam. We'll also have communications exec Jeff Jubileer. Good morning, Tamala. We have another nonprofit exec, Donna <laughs> Gentile O'Donnell and attorney and columnist Christine Flowers. Are an yeah. executive and I just don't know <laughs> No,
1: only in <laughs> my own mind. Okay. <laughs> well,
0: let's talk about this topic of this list. A court order compelled Larry Krasner to make public the names. We knew there were 29 officers. Now we know the names and what they've been accused of. And a lot of it is really troubling material. Federal investigation for corruption, child sex abuse, drunk driving, assault, domestic abuse, drug dealing, mishandling evidence, lying to authorities, Burglary and that's just a partial list of what's on there and it's to the point where prosecutors say this is your case But I can't have you come on and talk about your case and everybody who goes chong chong and they watch law and order They know you first see the cops put the case together. Then you see the prosecutors. They're supposed to go in together They can't do that and it raises a number of questions when you read this list You can understand why the public might go wait a second this makes me think twice about an officer telling me the way a case went. What is to be done with this information?
2: Well, you know, I think the important, the critical question is what are the defenders and defense counsel going to do with it? Once they've had the disclosure of this information, I assume I'm not a defense counsel, but I assume they have the power to call them as witnesses. So the fact that the the district attorney's office doesn't decide to put them on the stand doesn't mean they won't be on the stand in a particular case, and and, in my concern, is is much less about these guys that have been disclosed. Uh, how do they do this going forward? Hmm. I mean, there is a there seems to be discretion within the <laughs> district attorney's office still to decide whether to disclose the defense counsel, whether these people exist with problems. And that discretion, to me, should be removed, and they should be obligated to disclose that.
0: Christine, you're a lawyer. It makes me wonder, even if these officers aren't connected to your case, could you raise the specter of them and say? one apple taints the whole barrel if this is okay for this person to be on the force maybe my client isn't getting a good deal like does this open the door for all kinds of shenanigans when it comes to trials
1: it, it absolutely does and you can see already that there have been lawsuits civil rights suits filed attempts to have uh, prior convictions overturned when the names of some of these officers who um, have who were on that list have been released um, you know what, what George was saying this these names, this information, should have been turned over as what they call Brady material. When there is anything that could be um, uh, not disculpative, that could uh, sort of go toward the innocence of a particular defendant, the prosecutor is obligated to turn that information over to a defendant, uh, to a defense counsel. And if there is some question about the credibility and the character of the witness of the of the you know the police officers who are foundational to a case that information should have been handed over I think it's great that the names are being made public I think it's important because for transparency's sake the public needs to be convinced that the people who are prosecuting these cases are doing the right thing and that years down the line we're not going to have these convictions overturned because of this type of you know chicanery and and you know hand uh, clasping you know Donna the other side of the story is the what happens I think nine of these
0: officers of the 29 mm-hmm. are back on the force and it's kind of like a revolving will you go out they do the investigation mm-hmm. the police command says we got to take them back arbitration says they come back they get paid a salary maybe back pay and so the taxpayer gets it going and coming and it sounds like there's no way what can well, be done to well, fix this so so
3: importantly I think it, I think we need to start with what's the basis for all of this. So all of these actions that are taken when officers are engaged in in improper acts and they find themselves being a defendant versus being uh, someone who's trying to uphold the rule of law, um, all of this is governed by arbitration rules. And those arbitration rules are also governed by Act 111. So the, the nobody out there knows the, what Act 111 is. It, it's, 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 it, it's the legislative um, vehicle which, makes, which establishes standards by which arbitration can occur. So the bottom line occur. is Governor this Wolf is, needs to get involved well, in this. Well, the Republican legislature needs to take action on this because the governor can only approve or or veto anything that hits his desk. So I would urge the Republican leadership that's committed to the rule of law to do that, Jeff,
0: you're not yeah. being quiet just because you feel like being quiet. <laughs> yeah. We'll explain to everybody why you've been a little <laughs> no, laid
4: back. Absolutely, thank you. Um, our firm and I do a little bit of work now with the Fraternal Order of Police, and that's important to disclose here. And it's a very difficult subject matter to, to come on TV and encounter. But what I will say, just a couple of tidbits. Well, I wait,
0: important. wait. I want to hit you with the main question. <laughs> okay. If I'm a cop and I hear this, I'm furious, I'm out there and I'm trying to do a good job. Mm-hmm. We know that the FOP and the GOP have had a long history of supporting each other and wanting to move things forward, but I would go to them and say, I want you to get these guys out of here because they're making yeah. things harder for the good guys. You're right. But all the quotes I see from the FOP, all the comments are, Things are leave it alone. This is the way it should be. Why well, are they would, at the forefront of saying we gotta change this? Well listen,
4: if, if if people are found guilty in the court of law, they should not be on the force. I think they've they've agreed that and those people have been removed from the force. When you're mm-hmm. talking about this list, let me tell you first of all, the, the FOP had no idea the list even existed. It was not disclosed to them. When they were called by a reporter, which was leaked by probably someone in the prosecution's mm-hmm. office, they said what list? They were just got the list. The list was created by former DA now in prison. Not, it's going to list Seth that's Williams. Great, it was but his office. The but but, on the that's list is pretty terrible. terrible. It doesn't matter no, it how looks or why terrible. it came out. But if you look at arbitration, even, if you look at the, the people that are assigned to determine the case, the police, the advisory board, those, see, everyone think the FOP, the FOP, all they care about is the cops, cops, cops. They have no say who's on that arbitration panel. So we can absolutely talk about the system. But let's be really careful, I'm saying, to talk about the police, every, the FOP and the police as a whole is all about just keeping their place in the force. Under John McNesby, he has been sued, or the union has been sued for failure to represent police mm-hmm. More than ever before, you don't see that in the news. So again, there are many things that I'm not just trying to defend, but I'm saying there are there is some more context to this story. I'm not, sure, story. They, I'm not I, sure
2: they don't have a, a voice in who the arbitrators are. As a panel, I think mm-hmm. the city and they pick one. The commissioner and then they're, and then has are saying The union I, I, does I, I not get I, a say. I, I do think they have a say. In if they do not. If I can back they up they to
3: not. one point, um, the list was not actually created in the DA's office. It was created by the internal investigation group of police. The, 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 there are folks in the city. no no Mm. in in the police department they are mystified as to how that list migrated over to the DA's office so that's like that's like another whole area that needs to be looked at because there's some real questions about how. Why is it a
1: problem to have this list in the first place I don't find this controversial at all if you have a group of police officers I agree who who institutionally you don't you don't trust why not keep a list
0: Jeff you're you're a communications executive let's go with this a different way which is uh, clearly if you're trying to in this day and age where police are so under fire everything's mm-hmm. being videotaped yep as with everything things are changing you would think that you said we got to get out in front of this mm-hmm. and do mo- maybe this would have worked 10 years ago 20 years ago this list is going to add to our troubles let's get this Let, let's do something to get the people who are troubled out of here is there going to be something different from the FOP to push for that well first
4: they have to understand First, they just got the list just like Krasner, DA Krasner just got the list, and he's still vetting it as we speak here today. Second, they need to know about it. The protocol by which officers are put on the list, they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. They just received it uh, in the last week or so as well. So they need to be part of the solution, absolutely. I will, there's no disagreement there, and I'm not here to just be a mouthpiece for my client. <laughs> but they have to be part of the solution. I'm
0: using George.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know where he stands too. George, (laughs) you've
0: been a city official. Here's another side of this. The public costs, millions of dollars every year are paid to people in the aftermath of arrests that are then turned into cases. In 2013, 14 million was paid out to the public. 2012, 8.3 million. Again, taxpayers are paying for arrests not being handled properly. Officers doing the wrong thing. It would also seem as though Mayor Kinney would want to get in here and say, That's a lot of money. We keep talking about a budget we can't get to balance. I'd rather not pay for this.
2: Well, the older I get, the better I understand the concept of inertia, and these things just have a life of their own. And nobody, you know, for to to stop the inertia, somebody has to take a strong stand and then stand with that stand for a over a period of time to bring people to the table. We all understand that most police officers are good, hardworking folks. That's right. But there is a clear. PATTERN THAT THERE ARE A NUMBER OF THEM WHO VIOLATE THE RULES AND EVERYBODY, THE FOP, THE MAYOR, REPUBLICANS, DEMOCRATS, SHOULD BE COMMITTED TO DOING THAT, GETTING RID OF THAT BECAUSE IT COSTS THE TAXPAYERS WHEN THESE LAWSUITS OCCUR AND IT COSTS THE TAXPAYERS WHEN THEY WIN ARBITRATION AND, and BAD POLICE OFFICERS ARE BROUGHT BACK TO THE but FORCE. BUT
0: THE mayor's GETTING flaked BECAUSE HE HAS COME OUT AND SAID, LOOK, WE'RE GOING TO PUT ALL THIS INFORMATION ONLINE WHEN THERE ARE COMPLAINTS. And actually before, once a complaint was finished and investigated, you could go and get the documents and would have all the information. Now it's online, but it's just initials from who's complaining, witnesses, victims, and police officers. And this happened back in August, but it feels as though there's new blowback (laughs) with the community saying, nobody asked us about this. Do you think this stands, or do you think he's going to have to backtrack so on this? I,
3: I, I spoke to the mayor on this subject, and he was very clear that what they are trying to do is to be responsive to citizens who have legitimate complaints, but also to be protective of officers who, who there there needs to be an investigation. Yeah. Their families need to be <laughs> protected. There has to be due process. There has to be a rule of law, and there has to be a, a so. Then fairness. once the case,
0: why not go back to the rule that once it's over and investigated, mm-hmm. especially if the officer's been found to be in the wrong. Then more information is forthcoming. So future victims,
3: reporters trying to shed we're back light. Back to the arbitration rules because all of these things are embedded in that contract. If they can change the arbitration rules, then they have. But the, this wasn't the
0: case under Rindell or Nutter. This was a change it, it made. By actually,
3: Kenny. It actually. It no, actually. Well, he what he was trying to do was balance the the issues on both sides for victims that felt that they had been unfairly treated and for cops that needed to be investigated you know what,
1: Tim, and this uh, sorry no, please uh, no, go ahead. no and i i Whatever Donna said, absolutely. <laughs> thing, but but you know the idea that um, I only think personally that people who have been found, police officers who have been found guilty after uh, you know due process and in an investigation, that their name should be made public. I don't think that people who have been accused and there's been an investigation and then they've been cleared. I don't know why those names have to be made public because there's there's a stigma, regardless. Mm-hmm. If you say, oh, you know, somebody can file a false complaint yeah, right. against a police I mean, officer, that stigma will still attach. And if that person has been cleared... I don't think cleared, anybody's disagreeing with you. I think yeah. it's more the general idea
0: it, that we right now, now we have information back, that takes right. us nowhere. If, it, if they, get back, if they the change it back, it does go done, back.
4: And they, anybody can make a complaint, say it's a divorce, a, a pretending divorce, say, oh, my husband's a cop. I don't like him. Right. I'm yeah. going to complain about but it. But I don't think
0: anybody's saying we want that to happen. We're saying in case. Of like people of sure. these 29, can we go back to a system where somebody else who has something happen can go to the record and see what is going on? Do I have a cop who's questionable? Yeah. But yeah, that
2: they said they I don't think anybody questions the mayor's yes. commitment to transparency. I think the question, and I don't think I think most people would agree that people have been accused of something. that nec- right. They shouldn't necessarily have their name disclosed. But once you've gotten to the end of the road, right. Then I think there's a different question about whether those people's names should sure. be known. And I think that that when a when a leader like Reverend Mark Tyler the pastor at Mother Mother Bethel Church says that there is a need for community participation and a and a revisiting of this question at least it requires some attention to be paid to it
0: Very quickly we saw the GOP candidates for the governor's race meet here in Philadelphia they agreed on a lot of things they disagreed on a lot of things and one of the weirdest things they disagreed on was Paul Mango going out after Scott Wagner saying that he wants boys in the girls bathroom <laughs> because <laughs> Wagner says he was in support yeah. of a <laughs> bill anti-discrimination in housing, employment, etc. Laura Ellsworth, the third person, seemed to roll her eyes and go, you know, there's not going to be a rush on the bathrooms. But it's an interesting <laughs> yeah. tactic by Mango. Yep. Wagner has said, I'm more Trump than Trump. He seemed to be trying to outflank him on the right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was this a smart move or a dumb move for Mango? hey
4: it's, If it's about winning the primary, perhaps it was a smart move. But from a general election perspective, from the 90%, I would agree, plus of Pennsylvanians, it was not a smart move. If Laura Ellsworth could raise a little bit of money. She is the candidate that the most rational Conservative but rational positions that could cause Tom Wolf a little bit of agita.
1: And if Scott Wagner looks balanced and moderate <laughs> on anything, then my you goodness, know that the Republican Mango Party is way out in the forest somewhere. That's a statement. But, but, but they,
4: Tom but, Wolf but, is laughing, but but they
2: are. I, you know, I think that Wagner and Mango, they both have resolved that the only way there's a possibility to win is to be Donald Trump and get the magnetism that Donald Trump got in the tea in this Commonwealth, and that there is a, there is a frustration among. Traditional Democratic voters who don't turn out—that's really? I mean, well, their strategy. I, I it's think, not about substance.
3: I think I agree that that's their strategy, and I think it's a wrong strategy because I think yeah. we're going to see a reaction in Pennsylvania unlike we've ever seen before. Anybody that's aligning themselves with Donald Trump, I think, is going to be—they're they're, going to be very I just, disappointed. I
0: just felt like for every voter Mango maybe picked up, he just shed five. It just seems right. right. an interesting. <laughs> yeah. My consultant told me to do this, and he was a consultant. Uh, He should have. I used to work for
4: his consultant, (laughs) John Bravebender, so I work for everyone, but uh, not today. I want to be clear. It's not what I would agree to. We're going to take a break. We're going to take a break and come back to more
0: inside story.
2: 6ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University.
0: Welcome back to Inside Story. A Delaware County State Representative named Nick McCarelli has had two ex-girlfriends come out with some serious claims, claiming physical, mental abuse, rape, you name it. He denies these claims. They have now gone to the officials in Harrisburg, they both work there and in the state capitol, and said they're worried he could be bringing a gun into the capitol. That story led to finding out that the House clerk said, yeah, there are 20,000 people who come here every day, they've got an access badge, They don't have to be magged. Could they have a gun? They could. I've tried to change the laws, but I'm not getting any traction here. Given where we are right now with the news, you would think that they'd be moving to change this with a quickness. Is that gonna happen or there will continue to be 20,000 people walking into those chambers who any given day, who knows what could happen?
4: Goodness, it's awfully scary and I hate to say this I almost feel like you need to have the bridge collapse before you fix the bridge and I hope it's not the case here if yes, you go into Harrisburg now most of us we have to go in and we go through the mags but yeah you can just walk right in and they don't they don't pat you down if you're a lot of them are lobbyists or state if, uh, official state legislators and so forth but inertia George said the key word it's changing is difficult alone let alone in Harrisburg where it seems next to near impossible Hopefully, just hopefully, this could be uh, a sign. But he, no one knows if he, if he himself, brought a gun in or not to the, uh, to, the uh, well, to the floor. I, I
3: think, I think that um, you, know, I understand that we need to have some kind of process and we need to be respectful of the rule of law. But when, when you start talking about, I mean, if this. If this does this qualify under the Parkland standard, right? So people are saying, okay, you have to notify when you're government. when you're concerned that somebody is a little oh, unbalanced. Right. So I, I mean, I think men that abuse women are unbalanced, right? So so let's start with the idea that maybe that's who he is, and maybe he's and maybe he's reacting to this. But I also think. It's really up to the leadership of the Republican caucus to figure out how to cope with this. But that's the role well, of Well, they do this because
0: I think there's a little nervousness of, okay, how much do we have to do before the NRA snaps at us? Like, is this something they could do and just well, say, everybody go
1: through the mags well, right. or something yes, without having an NRA backlash? Of the Me Too, and yes. Me Too and Parkland moments. I mean, how amazing. You have the two... Mm-hmm. largest controversies in the past couple of months than they and they are coming together in the Nick McGarelli case. Um I, I agree when there is a suggestion that someone is should not maybe have access to a firearm, you want to look at that closely. On the other hand, again, there is a process that needs to be followed. and, he's saying, and just he's saying he didn't do anything. He's an Iraq vet. I mean, this is a guy who knows how to use firearms correctly. There's never been a suggestion that I know of that he has improperly used these firearms. I understand that there have been these allegations made. Um, I I have a problem with the Republican leadership calling for him to resign the same way I had a problem with the Democratic leadership calling for Al Franken to resign. Again, we do have that added element of the guns we're talking about here. But that was injected into this by the two women who are accused him of assaulting them. There's no other evidence that he has ever misused a weapon. But it so still I seems as though a moment where this.
0: leadership could say, we gotta let police do their work, but we need to think about the bigger and, issue.
2: And, and, and whether he's Trained in Iraq or not, and in the military, it is impermissible for anyone to have a gun mm-hmm. in, the, well, in the in the, the right. in the Capitol right. building. Right. They're not. They, they're not. Sort of he's of not. Wink, whether, wink. whether whether he's trained right. or not irrelevant. But guess yeah. what? What? is irrelevant.
0: It would be easy to just make everybody, everybody go through
4: the. He 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 set up a separate But
1: he's got to go through the security now. He doesn't have that privilege of a of a legislator to be able to just walk in. He has to go through the security. So Okay. Well, what about the other nineteen thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine people? They
4: should go through it too. Right. Absolutely. Go on a separate line. That's yeah. just which they have to do in Washington. You go to Washington. Absolutely, and it says, everybody gun. gets people,
2: Everybody's only the elected officials are excluded. Right. But, but everybody <laughs> they, else. They should it. have. To and we know they're, they're all saying. Saying. They're right. all the right. same. Um, but we This is about you know uh, people. Uh, it's about guns it's, and people right. put guns over safety. It's fascinating.
0: Let's talk about something that has been big in this state, which is the whole change of laws and, and expectations around marijuana, medical marijuana. Uh, Governor's advisory board came out this week and said, we think we should allow what's called leaf and flower, essentially the same weed that gets used in joints that you see people have at concerts or anywhere else. Right now, the only thing legal are concentrates, pills, tinctures, they're selling out, they're very expensive. Some doctors are saying it's cheaper and it works faster for people to be able to actually buy the smokable. but then I think for some people, when they were talking about things that were pills or, or lotions, I was like, okay, but the idea of a place in my neighborhood where we're just gonna go buy pot What's the right thing for the government to decide to do? Yes on,
1: on leaf and flower or no? Well first well, I of think, all, the legislature sorry. I'll be real quick. No, okay. First of all, the legislature passed this legislation, this, you know, medical marijuana in Pennsylvania, with the understanding that it wouldn't be smokable, that it would be in tinctures and oils and what have you. Um, I, I spoke with my brother. Ted Flowers, um, (laughs) who, who is very heavily involved in this field, and he indicated that, you know, there are other ways of using the leaf and flower besides smoking it. You know, you can have it in foods and brownies and all that stuff. But once you allow that to be sold, you can't stop someone from going home and rolling their own joints. So I think this is a really bad idea.
3: Well, I think I think that we are a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of what we've done to move the medical marijuana program forward. There have been a lot of bumps in the road. There have been lawsuits that have slowed down a, a lot of the progress that could have been made by the licensees that are authorized to pursue this in both uh, manufacturing, distribution, et cetera. Um, and and you know, and and there's a human dimension to this, and that is. Think about all those people that stood in line for the opportunity to be treated by something that they have been waiting for and that opportunity passed because but there were no supplies.
0: My worry is all the people who you know are going to fake or get away of getting on that medical
4: well, list. The key is not letting them get on the medical list. We it's hard to, a, to do. It's really actually very hard to do. A process by which a physician is licensed and a, and a person right. who needs it and right. if the efficacy of the of the smoking it or doing helps those who have cancer, who have ADHD, yeah. who have autism, parents are crying. I mean, the human element. You said it. If that helps them, I can't be more support. You got 10 seconds. But at the end of the day, this just
2: accelerates the discussion about legalizing Legalizing does. And that's that's coming down the (laughs) the road. And we should mention that
0: only Pennsylvania and Minnesota ban leaf and flower.
2: Side story is presented by Temple University. Inside stories, George. I don't want to exaggerate the importance of sports, but as we end Black History Month and go into Women's History Month, it's exciting to see Tiger Woods and Serena Williams, two of the greatest Mm -hmm. in their sport, back in competition.
4: All right, Jeff. Uh, This coming Tuesday, big election outside of Pittsburgh. Rick Saccone's the Republican. Connor Lamb's a Democrat. Trump won it big. Connor Lamb's looking like he could win. Uh, Trump just came in. It's going to be a big, big victory if Democrats win. Watch out as a harbinger for the fall. And then they both
3: have to run all over again. In I mean, different districts. Donna, mm-hmm. In different districts. Donna. So in the 5th District, we've got 12 to 15 candidates and counting. One of those candidates is Rich Lazer, uh, and he is a very talented, up-and-coming guy, part of the, was part of the Kennedy administration. This past week, he was endorsed by the AFL-CIO and by the Building Trades, which gives him access to national money. Big win for him.
0: All right. We'll see if the we've Delco leadership likes that. They won't, Christine. but it is what it is.
1: Being pro-life means being pro-child, and one of the alternatives to abortion, the most important is adoption. Becky Snyder Fawcett understands that, and she founded a program called Help Us Adopt, which gives grants to uh, prospective adoptive parents. They're having a um, benefit on Tuesday at Neiman Marcus, one to um, 11 to 1 in the afternoon. Good to know. That's it. That's been an Inside Story. Have a great Sunday.